And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. We're in a, in a series we started last week called Vision 2020. And this morning I want to talk to you about seeing God, seeing God. And I'm indebted to my good friend, Pastor Dale O'Shields, one of my dearest pastor friends in the world. Two weeks ago, we were in Mexico City together and we were talking about sermon series. And he mentioned that he had started this series. And the more he talked, the more the Holy Spirit began to jump up and down inside me. And so I'm not going to uh, preach Dale's message, but I am going to give him credit because he gave me the, uh, the insp- inspiration to get going in this direction Now, just before we read Isaiah chapter 6, let me remind you that there is a principle in the world, and it's called the principle of focus. What you focus on, what you meditate on, what you think about will determine your destination. It'll determine the outcomes of your life. And the problem is that a whole lot of us think about things that we can't do anything about. We're focused on our worries. We're focused on this not going right, that not going right. And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of things in this whole world that aren't going right that I can't do anything about. And it doesn't help me to focus at all there. In fact, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I want you to see the correlation there between perfect peace. How many of you want to have perfect peace in 2020? Come on. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is doing what? Whose mind is preoccupied with problems and difficulties. No, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And it says over in Proverbs 27, verse 3, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So let me ask you, what are you thinking about here as we've embarked on this second month in the year 2020? What are you meditating on? What are you focusing on? You see, it's very, very important. In fact, we're going we're gonna to put up a continuum again. Here we go. On the left side of the continuum are where a lot of people live their lives because they're focusing on problems, they're focusing on anxiety, they're focusing on difficulties, on worries, they're thinking about themselves. You remember that great song, I was always on my mind, I was always on my mind. They're thinking about themselves, they're meditating on heartache, but dear ones, you and I can choose If we want to, in the year 2020 and throughout this decade, we can choose to focus on God's Word. We can focus on looking to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of our faith. We can acknowledge the Holy Spirit. You know, He is the helper. My dad is down in a a nursing home in Monticello, and I got there on, on Friday. And they said, Mr. Todd, we need to talk to you. Medicare is rejecting His being here. And they're saying that on Sunday you have to get him out. Well, the problem is that dad has another urinary tract infection and he's on these very strong super meds. The nursing home had just met with me on Monday and said we're going to keep him at least 10 to 15 more days. And now here's Medicare saying you've got to do something about this. Well, what do you do in that situation? He can't walk. If I did bring him home, he couldn't get to the restroom. His house is not wheelchair accessible yet. What are you supposed to do? I just looked up to heaven. I said, Holy Spirit, you're my helper. I don't know the answer to this thing, but you've got an answer. 
See, the Bible says that when a man or a woman's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. I want you to know the administrator bent over backwards to help me. <laughs> when a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies are at peace with him. Now, she wasn't my, my, my enemy by any means. But she, started, she, she, she got the paperwork. She said, Mr. Todd, just call this number and tell him you want to appeal. That's all you have to do. Glory, hallelujah, to our God, doo-wop, doo-wop, bum, 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 bum. Dear ones, it all comes down to our focus. What are you going to focus on? God's our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of trouble, or oh me, things are not working out. Well, where you are on this continuum will determine the quality and it'll, it'll determine the fruitfulness of your life. Now, there's a great story, and Wes already alluded to it, in Isaiah chapter 6, about what happened to the prophet of God. We're going to start reading at verse 1 out of the New King James Version. It says, In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want you to read that first verse aloud with me. Come on, aloud and loudly. Use your best voice. Let's raise the rafters. Here we go. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I want you to note he used two adjectives to describe the throne of God. He didn't say, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and there he was. No, he said his throne, and he uses two adjectives. He says his throne is high, it's raised up, and then he says it's lifted up, it's above everything. Dear ones, J.B. Phillips wrote a book many years ago called Your God is Too Small. And if you've got a small God, you need to trade him in on Yahweh Adonai. You need to trade him in on the God who's the God of all flesh and whom there's nothing too hard for. Hallelujah. See, some people, how many, how many of you have a news feed on your smartphone? A whole bunch of you do. I've noticed something about my news feed on my smartphone. It never brings me good news. It never brings me good news. And I was reminded that back in the 1960s, there were a group of journalists that got together and they said, we think people need good news. And so they started publishing this newspaper and it was a good news newspaper. You know, the problem was they went under because nobody wanted to read good news. There's something about bad news. There's something about fear. There's something about a virus that's, that's coming from China that makes you think the world's going to end. Come on. See, there's something about that stuff that gets our attention. And there are some Christians that, 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 that watch the news and they see everything that's going on and they say, oh, oh my, it just looks like the devil's having his way. In their minds, they see God and the devil in a boxing ring and they say, oh, poor God, the devil's beating him up. Let me remind you of some things. God is without beginning and he's without end and the devil is a created being. He had a beginning, he's going to have an end and it's called a lake of fire. Can you say hallelujah? And the Lord our God is the most high God. He's the maker of heaven and of earth. Amen. Brother Harold, you've got your beautiful wife with you. I haven't seen you since I talked to you in Dillard's a couple of years ago. Good to see you this morning. Glad you're with us. Hallelujah. So number one, Isaiah 
And I'm going to share with you about seven things that, that we all need to see in 2020 this morning. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Seven things that we all need to see. Number one, Isaiah saw God on his throne. It was high and it was lifted up. And then it says in verse two, he says, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one cried to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You see, not only must we see the Lord high and lifted up, but we need to see God in his holiness. Somebody say amen. amen. God has a first name. His spirit has a first name. It's called the Holy Spirit. And God wants to work his holiness into your heart and into your life. He wants to work the fabric of the character of Christ into your heart and into your life. And through Jesus Christ, God imputes and he imparts holiness to us. Say, how does that work, Pastor? Well, the moment you repent of your sin, the moment you make Jesus Christ the King and the Lord of your life, the Bible says that God sees you not in your past, but he sees you through the blood of Christ. Huh. There has been imputed to you a righteousness that is not your own. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. But there's also an impartation of righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30 says God has made Christ to become unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And that means that every day when I wake up and I say, Jesus, I'm going to live for you. Jesus, I'm going to live according to your word. I'm going to obey the Holy Spirit today. I believe that there is an impartation where I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. There's an impartation of his righteousness and of his holiness because he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Look at verse 3, it says, And one cried to another, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. It was filled with the Shekinah glory of God. Verse 5, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I'll dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We'll talk about repentance next week, but let's go on to verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Dear ones, number one, we need to see the Lord high and lifted up, his train, his royal robes filling the temple in 2020. Number two, we need to see God in his holiness. And number three, we need to see the glory. I said, we need to see the glory of God. See, see we live in a day and time that in our culture, in our society, we tend to elevate people who have outstanding abilities. They may have intellectual abilities, or they may have financial and business abilities, or they may be a sports icon. Maybe they can play ball better than anybody else. But we tend to glorify these people. We even make them idols. In fact, have you noticed that there are some people that as soon as somebody becomes famous, they begin dressing like that person. They begin talking like that person. They begin acting like that person, as if that person is going to bring some worth or value to their life. 
What game was played last Sunday? The Super Bowl. What is the number one selling NFL jersey today? It's Kansas City Chiefs, number 15. Tell us, shout it out, Scott. It's Pat Mahomes. Now, here's the deal. Tom Brady was selling more NFL jerseys than anybody on the earth, and he has for years. But this fall, it wasn't just with the Super Bowl. It started this fall. Pat Mahomes started selling more jerseys than anybody else. Now, dear ones, I'm not saying that if you go out and buy a Pat Mahomes jersey, that anything's wrong with it. Who perished, sadly, in a terrible crash two Sundays ago? Kobe Bryant. Did you know that, that Nike said that five days after Kobe Bryant perished, that they ran out of all of his jerseys, his basketball jerseys, his shoes, everybody wanted something. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong if you run around in a Pat Mahomes or a Kobe Bryant jersey. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, you can run around in a, in a Tim Tebow jersey if you want to or a Jameis Winston jersey if you want to. But here's what I'm saying. God is truly the only one that's worthy of our honor and our praise and the glory. In 2020, we need to see the glory of God. See, everything changed when Isaiah, when he shifted his vision from the dead King Uzziah and he shifted his vision to the living God, Yahweh Adonai. In one spectacular, extraordinary moment, he saw the Lord. He says, he says, I saw the Lord. This was the same God that Abraham had seen on Mount Moriah. This was the same God that Jacob had seen. This is the same God that Moses had seen. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And everything changed for this young prophet's life the moment he saw him. Because you got to remember Uzziah or Azariah, as it says in Chronicles. He was a good king. Now, he stumbled just before he died, but he got back on track. He was a good king. He led Judah in the worship of God Almighty. He led them in righteousness. And now Isaiah is looking, saying, what's going to happen to Judah? Who's going to take the king's place? Are we going to have a, a righteous king? Are we going to have a, a king that leads us in worshiping God? Or are we going to have a, a king that leads in idol worship? What's going to happen? Is our, is our economy going to be blessed? Or, or are we going in the tank? Or are we going to impeach the next king? Or are we not going to impeach the next king? And, and half the people want him impeached. And half the people don't want him impeached. And our, our nation's divided. And, and he's so upset he doesn't know what to do. Dear ones, when you don't know what to do, it's important that you know where to look. <laughs> I will look into the hills from which come my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God's my refuge and strength. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I just submit to you that everything changed. Everything changed for, for this young prophet when he saw the Lord. He said in the year the King Uzziah died, he, 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 he was, it was more than just the mention of a particular year. He says, this was very, very important because I was going through a difficult time. He says, I was wondering if I was going to make it. He says, I wondered if, if we as a nation were going to make it. But it was in the year that he died that I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up. 
and his train filled the glory, the, the, the temple. We need to see the glory of God in 2020. You know, when I was a young man, I was serving at Regent University at CBN. And one day I was walking into the chapel. And we had a graduate school of public policy and I had a student that was in my ear. He was a public policy student. He wanted to be, a, he wanted to be involved in politics and uh, he wanted to be a lobbyist. And man, he was just filling my ear with something. I mean, he just, just wouldn't talk, stop talking. But I'm, I'm, I'm determined I'm gonna get into the chapel, do what I need to do. I walked into the chapel And I can't even tell you how I fully, that I fully understand this because I don't. But all I can tell you is the glory of God was in that empty room. I say empty. It wasn't empty. I believe the angels were filling that place. I walked into that room. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know if I ran. I don't know if I walked. I don't know if I was transported. But I walked into the back of the room and immediately I found myself on my face on the floor in the far left-hand side of the room. That fellow who had just been talking, talking, talking in my ear, he was on his face on the far right-hand side of the room. And we were in the presence of God. You know, the, the psalmist said, in his presence there's fullness of joy. At the Father's right hand there are pleasures forevermore. All I could do was weep. All I could do was cry. I lay there and I just cried and I wept and it was such good tears. It was such a good, wonderful experience because I was in the presence of the Lord and I forgot about the meetings I was to be in. I forgot about my responsibilities. I, I, just, I just lay there and I cried and I cried and I cried and I didn't know if I had any more tears left. I just kept crying because in his presence there's fullness of joy. At the Father's right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. It's been my privilege on several occasions. He's now, I think, with the Lord, but it was my privilege to host a preacher named Leonard Ravenhill. I'll never forget Brother Ravenhill saying, many preachers like to strut in the pulpit like a peacock. He says, nobody struts in the glory of God. He says, nobody struts in the presence of the king. What is the, what is the glory of God? Let me just give you a couple of definitions here. The glory of God is the impact of his presence. It's the presence of God that knocked Saul off his donkey on the road to Damascus. It was the presence of God that allowed Saul and the glory of God that allowed him to hear Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Glory to God. The glory of God is number two, the purity of his character. First Chronicles 16, 29 says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Number three, the glory of God is the supremacy of his being. Psalms 86, 8 says, among the gods there's none like you. Lord, no deeds can compare with yours. Huh. Number four, the glory of God is the greatness of his ability. Listen to this, Psalms 24, verses 7 through 8. In fact, we've got it on the screen, so let's read it aloud and loud together. Come on, your best voices. Here we go. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
What is the glory of God? Number five, it's the splendor of his light. Think about this with me. The book of Revelation says that in the new Jerusalem, in the new Jerusalem, it says the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the lamp is its, and the lamb is its lamp. Hallelujah. Number six, the glory of God is the goodness of his nature. Now think about this with me. It's the goodness of his nature. In fact, in Exodus 33, you remember Moses said, show me your glory. God, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And the Lord says, I will cause all my. Come on. I will cause all my. So you can say it better than that. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Dear ones, I just want to suggest to you that there is a correlation between the glory of God and the goodness of the Lord. And finally, number seven, God's glory is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14 says, we beheld his glory as that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. <laughs> when that angelic choir in Bethlehem began proclaiming, saying, this, there's born to you this night in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, they were proclaiming the very glory of God. Can you say Hallelujah. I believe we're to live for the glory of God. Jesus says, let your light so shine before men that others may see your good works and they can glorify your Father which is in heaven. What in the world does that mean? It means that when you go into Walmart, when you go into Publix, when you go into Harvey's, come on, when you go into to Target, huh, you say today, I'm going to let my light so shine before men that others may see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. Somebody say hallelujah. First Corinthians 10 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Dear ones in 2020, if we're going to have 2020 vision for this year, we've got to get our eyes on Jesus. We've got to get our eyes on the helper of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get your eyes on the word of God. You've got to get your eyes off people. How many of people will always disappoint you? People will use you and misuse you, and, and, and maybe they don't even mean to do it, but that stuff happens. I got to get my eyes off the preacher. I got to get my eyes off the deacon. I got to get my eyes off, 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 off the politician. I got to get my eyes off this person and that person and get my eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So number one, what did Isaiah see? He saw the Lord high and lifted up. We need to see the Lord high. We need to make him high and lifted up. We need to have a big God that we're serving this year. We need to see the holiness of God, number two. We need to see, number three, the glory of God. Hallelujah. And number four, we need to see God's power. Luke chapter eight, Mark chapter five carry the same story. Jesus is walking and he's surrounded by people and they're thronging him. And he says, somebody touched me. And Peter says, what do you mean somebody touched you? You're surrounded by people. No, Jesus says, somebody touched me in faith. I felt virtue. I felt power leave my body. Everybody look at me. I want you to hear this. It's not the curious touch that receives from the Lord. It's not the religious touch that receives from the Lord. It is the faith-filled touch. I'm going to receive, I'm reaching out to touch God. I'm going to receive the moment 
that I touched the hem of his garment. When I was nine years of age, some of you have heard this story before. Nine years of age, I fell off a 12-foot ladder, striking my head on a concrete floor, and I was unconscious for three days. And the doctors told my parents, your son will forever be a human vegetable. He'll never run again. He'll never walk again. He'll never ride a bicycle. His brains are like scrambled eggs. And I've told you before, Kathy agrees with that sometimes. (laughs) The best thing you can do is find a convalescent center to put him in. And he'll live a few more years, and then he's going to pass away. But you know what? My mom and dad started praying and people in our church began praying and our pastor began praying. And you know, on the third day, I woke up. I'll never forget, the nurse asked me what her name was and I didn't know her name. Then she asked, said, what's your name? And I told her. And she asked me a few more questions and I answered her, her questions, I guess, correctly. And the, and the nurse began yelling. She began running up and down the hallways of Tallahassee Memorial Hospital saying, he's awake, he's awake, it's a miracle. As he knows who he is, he's answering questions coherently. It's a miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Whew. We need to see God's glory and We need to see his power. And then number five, we need to see God's love. How many of you ever struggled to believe that God really loves you? It might be easier to believe God loves other people more than you believe he loves you. Because you know you. And you know what goes on inside you. I used to struggle so with this. Man, I'd I'd already been to Bible college and had been serving on staff of a church And one day I was reading Romans chapter 8, and I got to the end of the chapter where Paul says, I am persuaded there are neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, powers, things things present, things to come, height. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And God whispered to my heart and said, Terrell, I love you. And I remember saying, you do? You really love me? And I went over to the mirror and I looked myself in the, in the mirror and I said, Terrell, God loves you. Receive his love. It's one thing to have somebody loving you, but you've got to receive their love. You've got to say, Lord, I receive your love, your acceptance, your forgiveness. I, for, I receive your grace. I receive what you want to do inside my life. See, people that don't receive God's love, I'm going to tell you, they go through life filled with hatred and fear and insecurity, and they'll have shallow and superficial relationships with people and even with, with God. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, disciplined mind. Number six, we need to see God's dream. Did you know that our God has a dream and he wants you to be on his team? Our God's got a a dream. His dream is he wants every nation and tongue and tribe and every people group and every cultural group and every color and every person that's ever lived. He wants everybody to join him in heaven for eternity. And he wants you and me to plunder hell and populate heaven. We get to be a part of his dream team. Hallelujah. It's not just about you and me getting to heaven on the skin of, by the skin of our teeth. It's about saying, God, you can use, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. 
Lord, it may be sweeping floors. It may be vacuuming. It may be changing diapers in the nursery. It may be working in the parking lot. Lord, you can use me. I want to be a part of your dream team. Finally, number seven, and we'll close with this. We need to see God's desires, okay? We need to see his desires. God has desires. Just read the scripture. He's got desires for you. He wants to bless you. 3 John 1, 2, I believe it's more than a salutation. Beloved, I, 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 I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. God's interested in your prosperity. He's interested in blessing you. Not only that, but God wants to grow you. He wants to grow you in your faith. The Bible says that the Thessalonians had an exceedingly growing faith, and he wants you and me to grow in our faith. He wants to fill you with joy and fill you with peace. One of my favorite scriptures is Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Just listen to this. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what's going to happen in this world, but I do know that you and I can be filled with hope because we have a hope that serves as an anchor for our souls because we have a hope because Jesus knows his way out of the grave. He is the hope of glory and so we're not looking at those things that we can see but we're looking at those things which are not seen for those things which are seen are temporary but those things that are not seen they are eternal we're keeping our eyes on Jesus we're keeping our eyes in 2020 on the word of God we're keeping our eyes on the Holy Spirit who is our helper can you say hallelujah, hallelujah. one last thing I think God has a desire and that's he wants to use you for his glory. He wants to use you for his glory. A lot of years ago, I was, we had planted the church in, on the North Shore of Chicago, and it was Palm Sunday, and man, I was preaching my heart out. I was preaching about the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on the borrowed donkey. People had laid their clothes out, and they had cut palm branches, and they were cr crying out, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. And I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm about two-thirds of the way through what I planned to preach that morning. And I heard down in my heart, down in my spirit, man, I heard the Lord just say, be quiet. In fact, honestly, what I heard was shut up. <laughs> now, my mama says we're not supposed to talk that way, so I didn't think God talked that way either. But that's what I heard. I heard just shut up. So what do you do when you're preaching and you hear the Holy Spirit inside you saying, be quiet, shut up. You obey. I got quiet. I just stopped preaching. I looked at the saints. They looked at me. I looked at the people. They looked at me. And I'm saying, okay, Lord, what now? And I heard the Lord saying, tell those who are hungry for me. Tell those who are thirsty for me to make their way down here right now. So I simply said that if you're hungry for the Lord, if you want more of God, sit, sit here, sitting right here we're in that auditorium where Pat is right now, Pat waved to everybody, where Pat is right now, there's a young man named Robert. 
Robert had just gotten saved two months before and got filled with the Holy Spirit. Robert got drugged to church because his living girlfriend got saved. And she, brought, she, she, she wanted him to get saved. So he had gotten saved and they had just gotten married. He was the first one up and Robert started making his way. I'm standing on the podium. He started making his way up and about 10 feet from me, it was like Robert hit a Holy Ghost force field and boom, he was on the floor. Somebody else on this side got up and came up. It was like they hit a Holy Spirit force field. And boom, they were on the floor. Before I knew it, half the people in the auditorium were down on the floor. It's like the Shekinah glory of God had come into the place. We were renting Lake Forest High School's cafeteria. That's the cafeteria where there's a movie made many, many years ago called Ordinary People starring Mary Tyler Moore. That's where it was made, right there in that high school. The custodians, they got time and a half to work on Sundays. They really liked us. But we were supposed to be out of there by one o'clock. They walked in about a quarter till one and they saw people on the floor all over the place. One of the custodians got nervous and so he called 911. We got emergency services there. They started walking in. I mean, they thought there'd been a mass shooting or something. And they walked in to find people laying on the floor and sobbing and crying and you could feel God's spirit. You could feel the holiness of God. And I remember they, they came in like this and they're making a lot of noise and they got in there there. Looking all around. Folks, nothing, nothing, nothing is as valuable as the presence of God, as the glory of God. It's the pearl of great price. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you're hungry for God this morning, just let me ask you to just make your way from your seat. If you're hungry for God, if you're thirsty for the Lord this morning, just make your way from where you're seated and come right down here. And we're going to spend some time with the Lord all over this house. If, you, if you're in the middle of a road, just say, excuse me, I need to get by. People will, will stand up and they'll let you come. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. This is a holy time. This is a holy time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Oh, God, in 2020, Lord Jesus, we choose. We choose to take our eyes off ourselves. We choose to take our eyes, Lord God, off, off politics. We choose to take our eyes off worries and concerns. We get our eyes on you, Jesus. We get our eyes on you, Jesus. You're high and lifted up and your train fills the temple. We get our eyes on you this morning, Jesus. Come on, just right where you are. Come on, just start pouring out your heart to the Lord right now. Come on, just welcome his presence. Lord, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. You may need to just take a step forward if you're down here at the altar now so people behind you can come up. Just take a step forward. There it is. Let's make room for everybody. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we're hungry for you. God, we're hungry for your holiness. God, we're hungry for your glory. God, we're hungry. Jesus, we're hungry for your presence. God, we're hungry for your power. God, we're hungry for your passion and your desires. God, we're hungry for you. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more of you, Jesus. 
We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.